space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And joining us again, Dr. Squee. Howdy. And we've got a bumper episode this week. We're catching up. We said we would do, and we are doing. So we've got a bit of Trek news first. Then we've got the latest episode of Discovery, the penultimate episode, Species 10C. Then we're going to talk about episode two of season two of Picard which I forget the name of now. It's in my notes. Penance. Penance, That's the one. Um, So first of all, Star Trek news. Breaking today, we've got a new James T. Kirk cast for Strange New Worlds. Yeah, for season two. Yeah. I didn't realise they were already filming season two. Yeah. Well, it certainly was. I knew it had been been renewed, but I didn't realise it was so far in. I mean, mean, isn't it amazing that we're in a world where there's this much Star Trek and they're already recording season two of the show before season one's even aired. Yeah, that's that the is, point yeah, crazy. Star Trek we're at. And I mean, yeah, it, I mean, it certainly looks like it's a production shot unless they've got the guy in on set in full costume just to do a publicity still, but it looks like an actual production photo. So I, I just hope that they're really careful what they do because this is set in Prime Universe. Yeah. That they don't try altering anything canon. Mm-hmm. This is what I said to, 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 to you guys earlier in the chat. So, um, yeah, I just think there is such a rich backstory for Kirk, especially. Mm-hmm. That you don't yeah. need to invent everything. You could pick up part, so many things which have been referenced which we've never seen, which, like, because some of them you don't really need to see, but other which would be great adventures to, to see brought to life. Uh, I don't want them to invent that they've got a secret sister called Michael, say, for instance, that we never heard about and never got mentioned. Yeah. yeah. That would seem a bit forced to me. No, I would agree with that. Um, I'm I'm surprised, to be honest, because we've talked a few times and said that we'd like to see the handover between Pike and Kirk, but maybe in the final season or the final episode, but... To have him actively come in as uh, presumably a main character, or wh- whether it's just going to be a guest or a recurring guest, I don't I know. Think he, I think he's going to be a recurring guest star. Yeah. If, if they make him uh, part of the show, it kind of ruins the fact that... Yeah. I know we never really saw that bridging time when he became mm. captain and everything else. We don't know if he knew Spock before, but I, I don't need him to have been best buddies with Spock before. They, like, you saw that relationship forged in the original series. If you put yeah. that earlier, it kind of doesn't, yeah. you know... Again, we don't have anything to say they didn't meet before, but it kind of ruins yeah. what we've established. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I, don't, I don't mind seeing him as a junior officer on the Farragut. No, I mean, I, I think I, my ideal scenario for it at the moment would be to use him very much like the used Pike in Season 2 of Discovery and have him come on, interact with the characters, give him a, a bit of depth, but not necessarily make him the main character. So, yeah. You know, maybe just well, Pike was the main character. Season he, he was, yeah. So similar to that, <laughs> but not. I mean, I, I'd, I'd even go with like Spock 
like meeting him a couple of times, like briefly and going, wow, mm. he seems an annoying human. Glad I don't have to work with him. I would take that. I yeah. think that would be kind of fun. You can I mean, have a bit of fun with it. I mean, from from the picture, it looks like he's a commander looking at the number of stripes on his sleeve. Um, so maybe it'll be a thing that it's almost a work experience thing that they want him to learn from Pike and, you know, because they're grooming him for command. I don't know. Well, I'd, I'd like to think that what we might see is Pike sees him in his command role off on another ship. There's mm. maybe one adventure this season. There's maybe another next. And we get five seasons for the five-year mission of the Enterprise under Pike. And Pike's been keeps being impressed by Kirk, and that's why he nominates him to take over yeah. the Enterprise. Yeah, that's him. the guy. And it, it, it sort of almost mirrors, but doesn't copy what they did in the Kelvin timeline. So I like the fact that they made yeah. uh, Pike his mentor. It's a different timeline. You can do different things. That one works. Because this is prime timeline, as Elliot says. I think, yeah, it might be fun if you did kind of have these mings where he impresses him. That They've still got yeah. a, a flavour of that thing. Yeah, I mean, going back to the menagerie, which is obviously the only time we've seen them together, and Kirk does have a familiarity with Pike, like calls him Chris. So it's established that they do have a relationship. So yeah. presumably that's what we're, we're going to see. And Kirk's time immediately prior to the original series we don't know a lot about so yeah hopefully they're not going to tread on any toes but we'll have to find out and we won't find out this year it's next year so (laughs) i just don't want to see them do what they did with smallville which that started as oh we're not going to mention superman we're not going to have the soup we're not going to have and then they just brought in everything and they had him meeting lois lane in smallville which like it's very established in any version that they meet at the mm-hmm. Daily Planet. That's part of their story, and it kind of takes from it if you do that earlier. And I don't want them to see to them yeah. do that with Star Trek. Well, we'll see. Smallville was a victim of its own success. It kept getting renewed. Yeah, well yeah, after yeah. the the plan, the story to run. Yes, that yeah. was a, a problem, wasn't it? It was so good in the early days as well. But anyway, <laughs> that that's but, for the Smallville podcast. But, we also got the first teaser trailer we for Strange yes. New Worlds. That dropped while we were doing the show last week. <laughs> yeah, it did. it did. So who knows and what's going to happen. Like, that has happened quite a lot to us. It has. I'm not saying that they're scared of us, but I'm just saying the, the facts are the facts. You know, they tend to drop stuff when we're on air, so we can't pick Well, they up. keep stealing our audience, don't they? You know, we're, we're here, a little <laughs> sort of start-up podcast trying to get a bit of traction and... We go out live and everything, and we're putting it out there, and Paramount goes, you know what, we're going to drop a trailer. Which, you know, I'm not being funny. I don't blame anybody if you're listening to us live to go, ooh, there's a Strange New Worlds trailer. We'd have done it if we'd have known. We'd have just stopped the broadcast and then (laughs) come back. So, yeah, Paramount, stop doing that. You know, give us a bit of chance. Anyway... Just a little shotcraft. We're not like the, the flagship of the... Uh, exactly. The but yeah, I mean, the, the teaser trailer was good. It didn't give away a whole lot, which is great. Yeah, um, it made it look like they called Chris back to... Well, Pike back to the Enterprise, which I assume is sort of like the gap... At the end of Discovery Season 2, we mm-hmm. knew the Enterprise had been refit. Yeah. So I'm assuming this is the gap while it was having its refit that... Yeah, it could Pike's well Pike's gone off doing his own thing. Like, bear in mind, he's found out that he's going to be killed or 
he's going to be massively injured with yeah. radiation. He's got a lot to process after that second yeah. season of Discovery. So yeah, I don't blame him for having a few days. And he looks like and he looks like he's grown beard and gone a bit wild. And you can understand why he's done that. Mm. Well, I'd love them to tie that in as well and bring in the when the in the original pilot in the cage he was kind of. Uh, coping with kind of the fallout from another mission. It would be lovely if they tied it in that, you know, oh, he's been through this before. He he yeah, is someone yeah. who can fall off the rails if things go against him. So that'd be a nice bring in. And like, um, did you did you see that article? And I don't know how true this is, but apparently they were thinking of bringing flocks into Strange New Worlds. Oh, that'd be interesting. But they asked John Billingshurst to interview, to audition for the, for the part. For and he's like... Part. I did my audition. I did years on a yeah. Star Trek show. Yeah. That's my I, audition. I am Dr. Flox. That's <laughs> yeah, pretty but, bad. I mean, that? I don't know how true this is, but it, it claimed that he had um, talked about it. Uh, he's turned uh, it down, hasn't he, because they wanted him to interview. At least they let him yeah. interview, whereas, you know, um, each no, end... they just to interview. Well, that, that's yeah. what I mean, but they, they offered him it, whereas each end, they just recast him, I mean, I think, you know, given the, the original... Yeah, there's different reasons there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then there you go. Yeah, that's awful. Is that? I mean, if that's true, that's terrible. I'd like to think it's not. But uh, one of the things I just wanted to say about the trailer is uh, some of the buildings it showed really looked inspired by like the map paintings that we saw in the original series. Yeah, so yeah. I, do, I hope they have gone there. I do. I re- I think they're trying to address the issues that some people had with Discovery, which was that visually it looked so different, which is not as much of an issue now that they're in the 32nd century or whatever yeah. it is. But, but yeah, this one looks like it's going, okay, it's going to look more modern, it's going to look more up-to-date, but it's going to have the flavour of the original yeah. series, which... And I think better than, than something I raised a, a little while back when we did um, one of the classic series, Amok Time. Mm. One thing I addressed was when they done the the redo on the computer effect version of the map paintings, it lost some of the charm and the feel. I think this keeps the charm and the feel of it whilst updating it. It's a lot more true to the idea of it. It seems to be so far. I mean, we're, we're in an interesting situation now because I think everyone's so excited about Strange New Worlds. Yeah. And we, ju- we just want it to be so good and I really hope it delivers. Uh, but we've not got long to wait to find out now. So we'll move on then. We'll talk about Discovery. So this is the penultimate episode of the season, Species 10C. Uh, long-time listeners of the podcast know that this is our first Discovery episode back since the mid-season break for various reasons. So we appreciate that we've missed the bit in the middle. Uh, but we're here now anyway. And... I think this is a good one to come back on because I feel like we're getting somewhere now, which the last few episodes we've we've been very, very slowly getting there, but this one feels like there's a propulsiveness to it, a purpose to it, and we're, we're moving the story on. Whether we maybe should have done this a couple of weeks ago, that's... I'll go further. I think this has been quite a lackluster series until now. <laughs> I, I, to me, I have not taken to this series as much. I haven't. Of, of I haven't. See, I thought... and, and I really feel when you're comparing this exact, when this is coming out in a week where you've got mm. Picard doing so well, like this is their best episode in the series, we'd probably all agree. Like it's 
out there. I, I liked yeah. the the first half before the, the break. First half I thought of the season was, wasn't too bad. I thought it was going I, really I didn't well. take to, but my, my point was like, if this is one of the best, one of the best ones. Yeah, right? yeah. Then yeah. next to Picard, you know, yeah, Picard the series has been so strong already. It's kind yeah. of showing it up. I mean, I was saying to Elliot just before we went on air, it's kind of like. In the old days when Voyager and DS9 were running and they'd release them on VHS out here in the UK. And yeah, sometimes if if I'd saved up my pocket money or I was lucky enough to be able to get both tapes at the same time, I'd watch them both and I'd be like, yeah, Voyager was okay, but DS9 blew it out of the water, you know. And it, it got to the stage where I would just look at the descriptions on the back. You know, it's most weeks or most whenever they released every two weeks or whatever, I could only afford to buy one. And nine times out of ten, it would be the DS9 that I would buy because generally the quality would be so much better. Um, luckily, we're I'd not. Be lucky I had a brother who'd buy Voyager while ah, I bought DS9. There you go. That's what you need. Um, but yeah, so like now, fortunately, we're not in that situation where we have to choose between them. But the, the comparison is inevitable. They they drop on the same day, and yeah. Over the last two weeks, one of the shows has been considerably better than the other. So, which is a turnaround from last year because I'm sorry, but Picard was very lackluster for a series, and I thought Discovery had one of its best series yet. Like, yeah. it, it was a perfect kind of lockdown series because it went from hopelessness to hope. But they weren't pitted against each other last season, whereas they this weren't. season they, they are. Um, so yeah, anyway, Discovery. So. Yeah, after all the shenanigans of the last few weeks, we finally got to the stage. They're approaching the Tennessee and they've got this uh, hyper field and everything. And they're going to use hydrocarbons to communicate because we had all that thing last time where there's these emotions and blah, 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 blah. And the woman from Earth, the general, is not happy about this at all. We've set her up as she's kind of working for Buck and what's he called? Taka. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm glad we're getting there. I'm glad we're actually approaching them and getting ready to make contact now. Um, there's this thread of Zora all episode feeling like something's off. And what I wondered about this is if Zora wasn't sentient, if this was just a ship's computer, is the implication that a normal ship's computer would not flag this at all? It, it's purely because yeah, Zora's sentient that she feels I, yeah, something's off. Yeah, yeah, I so. yeah, I think that's why it is. It's because she's sentient. She's realised she knows something's wrong, but she doesn't know what. Yeah, it's like this. And the something... computer would just go, the com badge is here. <coughs> that's a com badge signal. That's fine. She's extrapolated that, oh, that combat's been there for quite a while. Something doesn't feel quite right. Like, she can put it in context. A bit yeah, more. it's like something's nagging at the back of her mind and she can't quite work out what it is, which I quite like that. I uh, do. I think I, I kind of wish we'd seen more of that earlier on as opposed to... Yeah, before... Uh, the the ship. Yeah, before we did the, the sentient storyline, if we'd have had bits like this to introduce it, maybe a bit more. Yeah. Yeah, they sort of did a bit where they were like, oh, yeah, Zora's developed a lot in between seasons. And we, yeah, we, we didn't see a lot of the... Um, so the 10C then, we, I mean, we don't see them fully this episode yet, but 
It looks like they've been watching the James Cameron film The Abyss because when they attack the dots, we get that water effect and <laughs> it's very... In fact, it could, could, that was an alien, wasn't it, The Abyss? Yeah. Yeah, and actually, when... It, spoilers for The Abyss. Um, when it rises up from the ocean at the end, it kind of looks a bit like the hyperfield. So, oh, we could be in the... Oh, crossovers. Star Trek Abyss expanded universe now, but... Finally! <laughs> it's what people have been crying out for, isn't it? I mean, and you know what? If they if they bring the Abyss into the Star Trek universe, it might mean James Cameron will get his finger out and bring out the Blu-ray of the Abyss because he hasn't done that yet. Oh, um, he's busy working on 23 sequels 23 to Avatar, uh, Avatar well, which everyone's forgotten about. You know what? Just outsource it. We all want the Abyss and we want True Lies on Blu-ray. Just let someone else outsource it and upscale them. What's the problem? True Lies would be a satisfying Blu-ray. Yeah, true. Two rise was such good fun. Like when he's got the horse and he's doing the big chase with the horse and everything. Like, what kind of police officer are you? Anyway, uh, that's for that. That's for if we ever. No, do well, one thing the Tensi did slightly remind me of. Uh, it made me think of. Uh, do you remember that uh, series of Torchwood, Children of Earth? Oh yeah, that yeah. Was a good one. You never saw that. You just saw like this uh, box with. A load of steam, basically, in it, or smoke. Yeah, it. you did. And you you're just, right. Every now and again, saw a tentacle just hitting the uh, the screen. Well, what it most reminded me of, and uh, you know, we might as well put this out here, is the film Arrival. Um, the whole setup of this episode feels like they've watched Arrival and gone, "Wow, that was a really good film." Let's see if we can do that because the whole thing is they've got. This species who are behind the force field, so we sort of recreate that on the hangar deck in this one, and you can sort of see them behind it, but you can't see them fully. And the the casting shapes and things, and obviously in Arrival, the movie, you've got Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner trying to work out how to communicate with them, but in this one, we've got our crew doing it. And I don't necessarily mean this as a criticism because I think Arrival's one of the best sci-fi movies in the last however many years, and I think if you're going to rip something off or be inspired by, shall we say, um, yeah, why not? That was a great film. Yeah. And it's very, very Star Trek as well, is the idea of how do you communicate with something that is different and is like nothing we've come across before. And I think that's what they've been trying to get at this season, but I feel like this is the first episode where they're actually nailing that idea. Actually now. doing it. Yeah. That's how I feel. I mean, uh, I, I kind of like the fact that it's a language so different they've actually got to think about how to translate yeah. as opposed to universally translate it. Done. I like that. There is this thing, again, and I mentioned it last week, where discovery is just so... Everything's got to do with emotion. And I, I, I appreciate the emotion of it, and that's always been the Star Trek, but it seems like everything's got to rely on emotion, including a language now. And it just... That theme is, has been hammered quite hard. Yeah, I thought... The, I uh, think there was too much emotion in this episode. I, I, and I know, I know Discovery gets called out for it, but they've literally got a matter of hours to solve this before mm -hmm. the Earth and Vulcan are destroyed. So they go off to talk about um, the feelings and all that, and, how, and it's like, 
you can do that another time. You haven't got <laughs> yes. time for that now. Yeah, we need to put that to one side for yeah, a minute. Yeah, you put that to one side. Let's go have a scream at each other to feel better. But that's so how I felt all series on this. Let's get on with what you're meant to be doing. There's, I mean, a, yeah. there's a time and a place for these things. Mm-hmm. And you can see why Discovery gets criticised by a lot of people for this. Because there's emotion when you don't need it. Yeah, and I thought <clears> last series where they did that really uncomfortable meal where everyone just cracked because there's been too much. Oh, yeah. That yeah, was a really that. nice way of doing it. It was one episode. It was really well done. This series, just they can't have three words without going, actually, I'm feeling some feelings about that. Uh, I must talk about this feeling. It's, yeah. Yeah, it, and... it gets in the way of stories so much. And no one could function talking about emotion this much no. all the time. And you have to do a job sometimes. You have yeah. to bury emotions, which makes it, when you deal with the emotions, so much more impactful. Mm. And well, so of... You should be getting on with the job. And then at the end, after they've dealt with the, the whole mission... That's when you unpack. Yeah, yeah. and they're sort of lumbering it all on Culber out the light. In this one, it's like, right, you can, Culber, you can talk to Zora. And he must be like, bloody hell, you know, I'm dealing with every single crew member anyway. Now you want me to sort the computer out. like. And also, I've mentioned before about like how it's it sometimes becomes Star Trek Burnham because it's just, she's yeah. got to be at the centre of every scene. And like, I think it was last episode, sorry, I, I forgot to say this last time. You had her... And Saru both going down on a mission. Mm-hmm. Don't leave anyone on the ship who is like like you've got two captains. Leave one of them on the ship, sure. Yeah, yeah. And they kind of do that again this week, don't they? I mean, they do explain why it needs to be all these people because we're going to go contact and blah 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 blah. I mean, you know, if we're going to criticize it for that, we've got to look back to the original series where it was Kirk took Spock every time. But that's the difference. That was back then you didn't think of Baxter, you didn't think of like the practicalities mm. of command. But it back, was just all back e- then, it was back, all ego. back then if you were doing a show, you had your main characters on the on in the story every week. You did yeah. Yeah. Whereas yeah. when it gets to next generation they think about the practicalities of you don't yeah. have all your brass yeah. on the planet. And they found clever ways of involving them or forcing them onto, you know, down to the planet yeah. for some reason. This one, it's just every week, it's like, no, no, we'll send Burnham through and, you know, everyone from the main crew, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll send them all down. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to argue with it. It is a fair point. Oh, talking, though, of developing some of the other characters, the mystery that we were all worrying about from season three, why is book called book? We get the story, finally. And okay, and no one goes. What's your actual? What what was your born name then? Just out of curiosity. Oh yeah, good point. No one. Yeah, that's a good point. But I mean, they, <laughs> just just wondering. They did sort of dangle this thread last season as if it was something we were supposed to really care about. Like, oh, why is it called Buck? That's not his real name. And I'm kind of glad that they've just dealt with it and moved on and it's not a big thing and it's not a big revelation and it doesn't tie into all sorts of other things. Do you not it, feel like it's going to be a callback later, though, where you're going to meet another one who was called Burke? Yeah, the other book's going to turn up, maybe. And if they do that, fair enough. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of glad that it's, it's not being built up as this huge monumentous thing. It's just a case of, yeah, there are a guy called Book and we share the names and there we go. And 
I do like the sort of interplay you've got between Buck and Reno. Like, I mean, she's great every time she's in it, but... More of her, more of her. Yeah, definitely. One person who isn't yeah. just driven by emotions. And I'm sure it is really a nice palate cleanser. And I know it's a, a scheduling thing with um, Tig Notaro so that they can't get her as a well, season she regular, also, but... She also um, wouldn't, literally wouldn't go out because of COVID. Fair enough. She wouldn't She wouldn't go, go film... Someone actually put out there that, uh, like, there was an article, I forget where it was, on one of the Star Trek groups saying, what if you made her the captain? And tell me that wouldn't be a more satisfying show. I'm sorry, it would. It'd be an interesting show, definitely, yeah. yeah. I, I don't think the character would want to be a captain, though. No, I, don't, I no. don't think that'd quite work. But, yeah, I mean, and, yeah, she's great in this episode. Like, she's got a spiky humour, as usual, but... She's also getting across to book, like, you know, the, the choices you're making are based on the pain you're feeling and you're not thinking yeah. straight and everything. I, and I, I've, seen he, I've seen his calculations and this is what he's going to do. Yeah. It was dealing with the emotions in a practical way. Yeah. That's what I liked about it. It doesn't ignore the emotions. It deals with them in a way you would have to in a real world. And I think yeah. it's retroactively sort of making books motivations feel a little bit more real because it, it kind of feels like kind of felt like he switched to sort of villain mode and got a bit too into it and now we're seeing a bit more of the complexity and how he is yeah. conflicted about all of this what i don't want is him to get off scot-free at the end of the season from all this because it's like no yeah. you you are going to go to jail book or you certainly you know i don't I feel think like he, i don't like... think he is i think he's going to end up being the only one who can talk to the 10 c of his emotion thing ah that's a very good point ah, i thought maybe it ends with him dying something like him, him maybe. Himself. then you don't have to deal with him be going in jail but you don't have oh that'd be good with nothing yeah I oh, feel like it'd be but then we're going to have season five of michael moping about it for oh no season. she'll get over it she got over ash pretty quickly uh, yeah, Ash was a Klingon spy. Well, I know he was, but Buck's a scummer now, so I, I don't know. Maybe they'll do that that classic thing of, you know, what happened to Booker, and they'll be like, oh, he, his ship was destroyed, we can't find him, and they'll let Buck just go off for his own adventures, you know. and The search for Buck. Like, no, no, don't search for him. Just, you, do you know what I mean? Like, they'll leave him alive. You're kind of at the end of The Rock, where they're like, what happened to Sean Connery? And it's like, oh, he was vaporised, sir. Oh, you're just, just adding to the movies I've got to rewatch now. True Lies, you've got The Rock. These are great movies. Oh, The Rock's great, yeah. The Rock is a tourist attraction. Yeah, it's a great film. Anyway. We're back! Walmack, you shit. <laughs> it's very good. Oh, yeah, Walmack, sorry. Walmart. Yeah. It's uh, bring me a coffee. Anyway, uh, we're, yeah, I'm just going to end up talking about The Rock. Uh, so, yeah, so I like that, that we're getting a bit more for Buck. Um, so, the actual communication then. So, first of all, they start off with we're going to use emotion and uh, let's try giving him a gift and everything. And I like that they run through all these things, like most cultures accept a gift as a, an opening gambit kind of thing. And then it gets to the Send the Light show, and we get very much Close Encounters vibes now, because it's like, right, they're doing a light show, let's repeat what they've done. But do, that do, doesn't do, work. Do, do. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's because they didn't play the music. <laughs> well, that's it. Maybe they should have done. And 
it's a bit contrived, but I do like that they bring the bridge crew in. But it, the way they do it, it's very contrived. Like, well, we all had to work together last time and we worked it out, so let's bring the bridge crew down. And then they all contribute a bit of an idea and they, they work it out. But then what I found really odd is as soon as they've solved, like, the first bit of it, Michael goes, thanks, guys, go back to the bridge. You're like, well, shouldn't you keep them around? Because they've just... Yeah. Yeah, it, it's like, it's it's... Again, they're doing some wonderful Star Trek things, like promoting teamwork. That's all great, but they're not doing it in a very artful way. Mm. You've got to layer it into the episode so it seems seamless, so you don't even realize you're learning about teamwork, you're learning about... Yeah. Like, Prodigy actually did it better, and that was pretty much just talking about teamwork, but it didn't seem forced ever. No, yeah, absolutely. It feels very forced. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'll be honest, at the moment, I think Prodigy, Lower Decks, and Picard rate higher than Discovery. Yeah. Certainly, based on the most recent season, yeah, I would have to. Agree. I mean, last season it was so bold to have this idea of like we're going to go to a new time zone for the first time in so long in Star Trek, mm-hmm. and then this it just feels very underwhelming after it. Yeah. It does. I mean, I, I, it seems like a wasted opportunity. It and does. we barely even see Admiral Silver Daddy Bear. Come on, no, what's the that's point? it. We, I don't think we've seen him since. The first episode back from the mid-season break, have we? Hardly had a chance to smolder before he was taken off our screens oh, again. Maybe we'll get some good Admiral Silver Daddy Bear next week, you know. It... Well, I just hope so. I hope so too, and Oded Fair does as well. He's like, oh, come on, we're a nice steady paycheck there for half a season. <laughs> I also kind of want to see the guy with the budgie clock again, just because I love Oh, him. yeah, the budgie clock guy was this. Um, anyway... Meanwhile, Saru's, and this is what you're talking about, like, you know, the let, let's have a little interlude to discuss our emotions. Saru's yeah. worried that he's getting the cold shoulder from the Vulcan lady down. It's like, time and a place, Saru, time and a place. Yeah, it's, like, that's, if he started like that, Michael as a captain should be going, look, we've got, we can discuss this another time. We've oh. got an important mission to save planets. But no, it goes back to uh, Saviour Michael again to go, ah, I understand Vulcans as well as humans. And I can mm. tell you, this is how Vulcans do this. It's like, oh, fuck's sake. Sorry, but, hmm, yeah. We've never seen Spock doing that. She's ne- he's never got shitty to prove a point. No, that's true. But, you know, well, I don't know. Like, I, I don't have an issue with that because they have done a lot of establishing, you know, Michael's got great insight into Vulcans and everything. But it's just a bit, out there that it's like, right, let, let, let's have a bit of a chat about our love lives. Like, okay, I'll tell you what, Saru, if we don't all die and our two homeworlds don't get destroyed, maybe then you could get it on with the Vulcan president, you know? I mean, I just look at, like, yeah, Picard. He was a great mentor to, to all of the crew, but it wasn't every time that someone had a problem they had to ask him. And I feel like that is That's the case true. with Ben. Everyone's got to go to her with every single problem, and it just takes away a little bit. Or Culber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or Culber. Yeah, okay, that's true. But you know what I mean? It's, no, uh, absolutely. Yeah, there's um, too much of it. Oh, there's too much of it at the wrong time. That's true. Yeah, yeah it's true of this well. episode. I mean, and it. I guess, like, they've got to have interludes of some description in this because it's very. It's very talky, this episode, and very ideas-heavy in terms of how we're going to communicate. And, oh, it's based on maths, and like, like, let's do like this. Like, if you and... want to do emotions, when there's a, a deadly climax coming up, 
Just copy Flash Gordon. Flash, I love you, but we've only got 30 <laughs> minutes to save the earth. Yeah, no, you're right. That was, yes, that, that's the... That's how to do it. That's the yardstick. And you had a Queen soundtrack and you're away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's the yardstick of how it should be done. You're absolutely right. Because you say about the mess, though, I really love the bits where I they were did. trying to figure out what message to send. And then there was a moment where they were like, Let's send this. Oh no, wait a minute. Instead, if we send this, it's clearer message. This is better. No, I, like I really liked that. And I, I like I thought how they did the language was so good and yeah. so Star Trek. Really, really yeah. clever. And the the thought that went into it, and it's right, the light patterns tell you what order to read this into, and we we can infer that that must be a a, a greater than sign and stuff. I thought that was that was all brilliant. That's the stuff that reminded me of Arrival most strongly. Um mm. but I can see why you need to break away from that in, in an hour of TV because it could get a bit heavy. Um, but as we said, I think the emotional interludes maybe were a bit overdone this episode. We could have had more more of um, Reno and Buck. Like, like, let's keep cutting back to that. Yeah. That's the storyline. That was line. so good. That was so good. That was the best payday on... Like that's the best book I've seen all yeah, the series. Yeah, absolutely. Him really struggling with it, and before it was just like, no, they killed my planet, so I'm evil now. It just all seemed a bit too yeah. macabre. It did, and I think yeah, I think they're doing a good job with it now, and it ends up obviously book gets imprisoned as well, and Taka's plan is pretty much going to kill everybody. But he don't care, so he just wants to get this power source so he can go to his alternate universe. And it ends fairly abruptly, the episode. Like, it just sort of finishes with Reno saying, basically, you've got to destroy us. And that yeah. that's the setup. You know, they, you've got to destroy Buck's ship. And that causes the 10C to break off the contact as well. So you've got this sort of two pronged cliffhanger, really. Like, okay, we've got to stop Buck's ship because that could destroy everyone. But also, have we blown our chance now of communicating so it's a good good setup leading into the last episode um yeah and it's interesting how you go from being able to uh communicate on such a basic level to having any meaningful meaningful conversation it would be nice if to see yeah if they, like i mean where that's so far they've got uh the dma terrifies they hadn't even worked out how to say turn it off and now somehow they're going to have to explain, well, that ship's nothing to do with us and we're trying to stop them as well. Um, so, yeah, it's... I mean, this is I used I to go out with him, it's kind of complicated. Be... <laughs> yeah, I, like, I think Book's going to be able to actually communicate with them. Yeah, that would be... Yeah, I mean, will they... And that's his redemption story, why they don't yeah. probably be in prison because it... the galaxy. Yeah, what, what do you want me that. to send to them? Soz? I don't know. Maybe, maybe, they, they do, do maybe he'll he'll use his thing that he does to show them how he felt when he saw Quajon dis destroyed and that'll make them realise, oh, we did that. I don't know. No, he's he's going to send it. It's going to be in text speed. It's going to be Soz JK. It was yeah, all a big joke. That'll work. Yeah. But I feel like there's a lot of ground to cover next week. There's a lot um, of stuff to cover in it, one episode. It's almost like we've spent a few too many episodes slowly moving towards the 10C and we've got a lot of work to do 
next week. And I, I remember us saying this at the end of season three as well, and they didn't do a bad job of wrapping it all up at the end of that. But yeah, it feels but like... That, that had the Dynamite episodes already. This one really hasn't had any... Mm. My God, that was a great episode. There's nothing in this series I can point to where it's like, oh, wow, I can't wait to watch that episode again. No, I feel... There was quite a few in the last series. I felt like until the mid-season break, I thought it was solid, um, if not spectacular. You know, it was it was good, but not great. And then since we've come back, I felt like we had a dip. I feel like this episode's an upswing, and I hope they they finish on a high. But um, but, but even if you go back to the first half, is there one episode where you can go, oh, my God, I, I, I can't wait to watch that No, one. no. But as I say, I, th- I think I would say it was solid rather than, than great. Like, I, I didn't think there was any major clunkers in the first half of the season, and I thought that... I thought the pacing, ironically, I thought the pacing was well done in the first half of the season and then it just ground to this halt. But anyway, let's see. We'll see what happens next week. But should we talk about Picard instead? Which I think we're yes. we're all much hotter on. <laughs> so yeah, episode two then. So this is called Penance. And yeah, we pick up exactly where we left off last week and we've got this great opening sequence with Q. Q's obviously been reading his Star Trek encyclopedia because he's throwing out episode titles left, right, yeah, and centre. Oh, he's brilliant, isn't it? It was uh, fun. It was yeah, fun. You're very yesterday's Enterprise. Yeah, and then, it, then he says, <laughs> through a mirror darkly, which is the, the yeah. Enterprise episode, isn't it? So it's, it's just on the right side of winking to the audience, I think. And I think, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. because he's Q, we can get away with it. If other characters were doing it, you'd be like, oh, this is a bit much. Well, he's doing what Lower Decks is doing. But yes. he's the only live-action character who could probably get away with this. That's yeah. what I was saying. I, I was saying it works on both levels, that both references just about work in dialogue if you take away the episode title. Like, you know, yesterday's Enterprise, the Enterprise from yesterday, when you were on the Enterprise, yeah. that worked. Yeah. But also, he is so kind of existing in multiple realities. He could exist in our reality and know that he's a work of fiction in one reality. Yeah. So it kind of works. On no, every yeah, level. absolutely. Q can get away with it. And yeah. we, we get loads of facets of Q in this opening scene. So we, we get this implication that something's wrong with Q, which obviously I presume we're going to come back to. We're going to explore a bit more. Uh, so that's interesting. And... It gives him an edge that we've not seen from Q in a long time. Like, if this is Q that's ill or dying, perhaps, and he talks about penance, like, is he, is he, we've always said in the past, like, Q's always kind of on Picard's side, and th- there was a lot of sort of respect that we got from him. Whereas, it, does he have a different agenda now? Is he wanting to punish uh, Picard? I don't know, because he almost hints that Picard can do something about it, doesn't he? Mm. Yeah, I think he's still trying to help Picard. I think it's like that whole thing of, even though, like, yeah, for Picard, it's been 20 years, 30 years, wherever it's been, and he's mm-hmm. aged 30 years. For Q, it could be infinity years, and he, yeah. it's like an older Q who has gone past that uh, need to be whimsical and be mm-hmm. silly. Now he's all about it because he doesn't have time. Like this, for, for some reason, it feels more urgent. And yeah, more it does. And I love that. And, and it seems appropriate. And like he slaps Picard, which we, we've never seen. Obviously, we've seen Cisco punch Q. Well, but... I wonder if it's because of Cisco why he does this. 
Oh, I don't. You see, I don't think so. I think it's the opposite. Cisco hit him, so he's decided to hit Picard. Because <laughs> he even took. Sorry, go. Because he even says to Cisco, "Well, Picard never hit me." That's true. What I liked about that, it's almost like Cisco, as as great as Cisco is, I think he lost a cube by hitting him. Mm. That's exactly what Q wants, and that's why Q got bored of him and never came back. That yeah. that, that always made sense to me. You're boring. You you aren't my nemesis in the way Picard. No, Picard will not stoop to hit me. He will like whip me in some way. Yeah. Whereas this point, it's like, okay, I don't have time for the games we used to play. Slap. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not pissing about this time. This is not our previous. Uh, you know. That seems to be what it is. Like you say, there's a sense of urgency to it that there wasn't necessarily before, and. It's not clear how much of this is something that Q's done to set Picard up. Like, like in All Good Things, it was that anomaly happened and Q intervened to give give Picard a chance to save everyone. Whereas we don't know if Q has created this reality. Like, there's nothing we've seen that Picard could have done to create it. If Q... As far as we know, if Q hadn't have intervened, they would have all died on the Stargazer last week and that would have been the end of it. Yeah. So we like I, I think a lot is gonna go back to the first episode. I think it will. Yeah. But there doesn't and, seem to be any like, correlation. There's a, re- there's a reason why the Borg Queen was wearing a mask so you couldn't see who it was. Yes. And there's all sorts going on there. But what, what I'm getting at is there doesn't seem to be any correlation between what happened on the Stargazer and this new timeline. It seems like Q's whisked them away to something else completely. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm sure we'll get an answer to that and how it works, but, you know. I, I also love the, the fact, the idea that it's it's like penance. And I, I wonder if that penance is maybe for Picard last series. Not as in the last series of Picard, I'm not... I'm not going there. I know I wasn't a fan of it, but I mean just the whole idea that as opposed to Picard doing what Picard always does and staying fine or rebelling against the Federation when it's lost its way, mm. he gave up. And maybe there's a penance for that. Like, you know, Q taught him so much about uh, going beyond the, you know, it's not just a journey in, yeah. in time and space. It's a journey of the mind. And he gave up on that journey after all that Q did to keep humanity alive for all that he did against humanity. I, I find it really interesting if it was pens against that. Yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, yeah, the, these are the things we'll like, know I'm sure we'll get answers. Mm. And I think, and I don't think we've got enough clues yet to get no, to I work don't out think the answers. Have. No, definitely not. Which is exciting. And, yeah, exciting, and that's good though. at this stage in the season. Yeah, We're only I'm two almost, I almost don't, I almost feel like Q has rescued Picard from the Stargazer. Yeah. But but Q isn't responsible for this time shift. That, yeah. I think, that, I think that's too obvious. That would be my guess as well. And uh, I think it's another one of them where something's happened and Q needs Picard to solve it for him because he can't for whatever reason. And he knows that Picard's the guy for the job, you know? So I, I don't know. We're going to find out. But... Let's talk about alternative Picard then. So he's got his trophy cabinet. I speculated last week, is it Gold Madrid? No, it's even better. It's Gold Decat that Picard's yeah. killed in this timeline. <laughs> as well as... Uh, to be it might have been cheesy, but I just love this. It was like, hey, here's that. Here's Martok. Here's yeah. all the people. Here's Sarek. Sar- 
It's so good yeah. that we got DS9. You cut his head off in front of his wife and child. Yeah. That's the only thing that thing I found a bit weird in the dialogue. Just why don't you say Spock or man? Like at least say Spock. Like everyone knows it's Spock. Well, it might it might have been Cyborg. <laughs> might have been oh, yeah, Michael. Okay, maybe. Could have been. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, True enough. So yeah, like I love the fact that this is DS9 characters because since Star Trek came back, we've only sort of touched on DS9 obliquely. Usually, I mean, Lo- Lower Decks has been the one that's most touched on DS9, and it's like, oh, finally, we're acknowledging DS9 as backstory. Yeah. We're talking about Ducat. We're talking well, about Ducat, Sarah, Martok. Uh, Martok. We've got um, we've got the Grand Nagus. Yeah, the Grand Nagus <laughs> is there. And yeah, later on in the episode, yeah, she says General Cisco. So we're getting Cisco, we're getting all these references. So I love that. It's like yes, yeah, that DS9. better not just be a tease. The better payoff. I don't. No, think you they see, will. I didn't see that was a payoff. I thought it was just like a. Shall I call General Cisco? Ah, uh, no, no. Let's call one of the regular crew. No, but I hope it, I hope that we get some payoff and we see Avery Brooks back as Cisco. Oh, I'd love it, but I I, I, I didn't feel don't like that, see it to be honest. Just going from Avery Brooks's like he won't even do an interview for that documentary. Like to get him to get him out to back into acting. I, I just don't think from everything I've seen, I just don't think he's interested. You know, he's happy where he is and. Which is fair enough. Actors are allowed to retire. That's yeah. absolutely fine. Yeah. But I mean, it would be cool. But I don't see it. And I want to. If he does <laughs> make a cameo, I want him to be doing the full uh, oh, Avery Brooks. If he was, I want him oh, to yeah. coming up to the point where oh, yeah. William Shatner is going, whoa, whoa, easy now. Yeah, that, if, I want him to go to that level. If he was if evil he... General Cisco, then yes, oh, I would want to oh. see him. All that. So of what he did in that... Um, How should I play it? I'll slalom it. Slalom, yeah. <laughs> as in, much as I love... I, I love DS9, I love Cisco in it, but sometimes, God, the scenery chewing he does on the rewatch, I'm yeah. like, oh, this is delicious. This is this is totally William Shatner. I don't know why he doesn't get called on it as much Shatner, to be honest with no, you. No, when he goes full on... Like, sometimes <laughs> it works brilliantly, and sometimes you're just like, ooh, this is taking me out of it a bit, to be honest, how far he's going with this. Just him calling across the restaurant to his dad in that episode where he goes, this man knows his souffles! Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, he's, he's a very special actor. Um, but yeah, I think oh, he was a very special actor. I suspect he will remain retired, but you never know. Yeah. Um, Seven's the president, and she's married to. Um, do you guys know who the actor playing her husband is? Oh, I did recognise him. So what I've was it? Recognised him, but I can't think it who he is. Is it's Soji's dad? The. The actor, oh. I think he's called John John Briones. Um, yeah, right. So he's the father of the actress who plays Sergi. I recognised him from um, Ratchet on Netflix. Yes. The uh, prequel yeah, to he's uh, in that. One for um, Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, so that, that's who that is. So a bit, bit of nepotism in the casting. There you go. Nice. Um, yeah, so we're talking about this eradication day and everything. So they're going full on with the, you know, this is the, the word to borrow from community. This is the darkest timeline, you know? Oh God. They've even got the, um, the, uh, Star Trek emblems, the arrowheads, which are like twice the size. Yeah. Obviously a penis, like, you know, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. 
And it, you know, it's all great stuff. Like I like how they reintroduce us to all the characters. Like we've got Rios is in the middle of a battle with the Vulcans, and it's showing that they're presenting this Earth as you know, we are the confederation of Earth and blah, blah, blah. But it's actually all crumbling beneath them because you've got these riots going on in Okinawa. And so not even Earth isn't together in this reality, which is often the case with fascist states, is that the people who live there are not yeah. happy. This um, isn't a coincidence. I think this is, again, borrowing from um, Patrick Stewart's political philosophies. Yeah, I think Obviously, so. he's been deep into the making of this. And he has talked out a lot about fascist regimes in yeah. different countries and things like that. He's a very progressive person in that way, as is Star Trek always, of course. And but it seems like so much of a parallel for, like, you know, obviously they couldn't have predicted the Russian-Ukrainian situation, but it seems like dictatorships like yeah, have been called out here. And it's, it's so easy. If you're going to do this, they could have just gone full-on mirror universe and when I say that, I mean the way it's presented in Mirror Mirror is just everybody is evil, and you could do that. But no, this this is giving it a flavour. This is a a more thought out version of that. It's like okay, if history deviated, what would Earth be like? Yeah. And it's clear that they want to rule with an iron fist, but that's not always the case. Like you know, the Vulcans are fighting against them. Um, even people on their own planet are fighting against them and we're reintroduced to Eleanor, El, Eleanor, Elnor, even, not the... Here's another film for you. That made me think of the car from Gone in 60 Seconds. So, <laughs> Eleanor, so there you go. You, you're going to be watching a lot of Nick Cage. Um, <laughs> oh, always. And then Raffi turns up to save him. So we're bringing the characters back together. Um, also, I, I just want to throw out there, it's just lovely to see Patrick Stewart and Picard wake up in a universe where he's gone from this huge Federation hero to being Hitler, basically. He's woken yeah, up to himself, having slaves, just being this evil, despicable person, and seeing Picard deal with that was just so beautiful. And, yeah, he sort of takes the approach, kind of how he did in Tapestry, where... Instead of going, Q, fix it, put it all back out was, he, he kind of resigns himself to, okay, I'm here, let me see what I can do to fix things while I'm here. You know, he doesn't immediately go down the route of, well, this is wrong, you need to sort it out. He, he almost sort of blends in a little bit at first, and we'll get to that a bit later when he starts hamming it up in the role, but... Um, but yeah, he's kind of going undercover, isn't he, at the moment, trying to work everything out. And meanwhile, we've got Girati's got this sassy cat program. Spot. <laughs> Spot 97 or whatever it is, yeah. And she meets up with Seven and we find out they've got a Borg Queen, but not the Borg Queen from last week. It's a different Borg Queen. And they even say, like, no, it's a more traditional Borg Queen. Yeah. Like... I, I did. Yeah, I, I, like, I've got, a, I've got a feeling that the Borg Queen that we saw is going to be a big surprise. It's, it's going to be Seven or Girati in the end. Mm, yeah, I've heard this that theory. That was on the Stargazer. Yeah, this theory battered about that it might be Girati for some reason. I don't, yeah, I mean, it, at this point, it's anything to play for, isn't it? It could be... Yeah, literally anyone. But like you say, the only reason they've got uh, the face covered is because you want to... Uh, it's going to be a big reveal or a big shock or a big it, surprise. If it's or... not... Or, 
Oh, the mask lifts up and it's Picard and he's in some extreme makeup. He is the Borg Queen. That would be interesting. Oh, it should be Ian McKellen. Like, just because <laughs> we've not had Ian McKellen in Star Trek and you'd think Patrick Stewart would have a word and go, look, do you want to come into... Anyway. Um, yeah, so there's so much going on in this one. What oh, you got Reyes and... Um... Uh, the blonde uh, woman um, when they have like the bit bit of a bitchy off uh, like oh yeah so you would have a cartoon cat who's kind of like talking yeah, to you yeah he, he, yeah I love that little moment that that seemed pretty good yeah and I like I like the fact how these characters are they're the characters we saw in season one but they're putting them in different situations and we're getting to see a different side of them. And better um, written, to be frank. It's oh yeah, written. so far, yeah. certainly, yeah. And um, like we talked, we talked about a bit of teamwork in Discovery when they brought the bridge crew. Now this shows how you do teamwork to solve a problem. Oh, definitely, yeah. It also shows how you do a lighter moment appropriately. You have that moment where they're having their little bitchy fight in the middle of it, yeah. and it's yeah. appropriate. And someone calls him <laughs> on and goes, "Could yeah. you just shut up and get on with it?" Yeah, you know, guys. Yeah, when the mm. yeah the bickering. For real, is you're quite doing good. this now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's I, how I'd, I'd hang up on you if it wasn't so important. What we're doing? <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. they've made a good decision to split them two up because it's much more fun having them bitching at each other. Yeah. Um, rather than being, if they were all lovey dovey and everything, it wouldn't be anywhere near as much fun. I did think though, like last episode, we start. Uh, third, yeah, last episode we started with uh, seeing Picard on the vineyard and everything like that, and that was in contrast to episode one of season one. And I feel like we're doing something similar here. Like you've got Picard arriving at well, not Starfleet headquarters, but at this headquarters, and I feel like that's a deliberate contrast to season one where he went to see the admiral and asked to be reinstated and she turned him down and everything like i feel like in a lot of ways we're contrasting what we're doing early this season with what happened early season one and i think it's it has been effective so far um but it leads to them all meeting up and picard's got his theory that q's changed the past which again i don't buy that because q wouldn't need to change the past, Q would just go, I'm going to put you in a totalitarian version of reality. Boom. Do you know what I mean? Q wouldn't need to go back yeah. in time and change something in order yeah, to that, create Yeah, that's this. why I don't think Q's responsible for this. No, I don't think he is. I've got a bit of a theory on who might be, which we'll get to very shortly. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like it is Q, but I, I sort of... One thing I thought was really good, and it shows that they're going episode... You know, a... As opposed to episodic, it's more of a kind of ongoing story. Mm -hmm. I like the fact that in any other Star Trek, you probably would have got a little bit of like, oh, let's show the consequences and how totalitarian mm -hmm. this place is. And you maybe get that for 10 minutes and then you go back to the past. Whereas you get to really enjoy yeah, we get a full episode, episode of it. Oh, a full episode of it. Yeah, it's and it's so worked. nice. And then you go to where you're going to go in the past. To, to yeah, it. it's worked really, really well. Um, the it's good that we've got the Borg Queen on hand because she can work out where the deviation in the timeline was, 2024. There's, yeah, an interesting, there's an interesting thing where she says there'll be a watcher waiting for you. Yeah. 
I wonder could that be Guinan? Because we know Guinan's really long lived and Guinan's aware when <coughs> the timeline changes. That'd be sounds so... fun. And I just love the idea that it kind of reminded me of this bit in Red Dwarf where they go, it's like, uh, oh, I know, what I'll do is these these bars look loose. I'll wriggle on these free. I'll crawl through, oh, I'll yeah. distract one of the guards, I'll then go down and do this, that, and the other, and it's like, um, and then we'll fire our way back to the bug. Or we could use the teleport. Or at a pinch, we could use the teleport. It was like when they were going through all the different types of time travel. The slingshot <laughs> around the sun. The Enterprise did that more, you know, yeah, yeah. did that more than once. We could do this, we could do the other. Or at a pinch, we could yeah. use the Borg Queen. All right. Well, well, Gerardi goes, yeah, but they had a Spock. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I, I like that, because when we did our whole time travel series, one of my big bugbears was, why don't they just use the slingshot around the sun? Because every time it's like, we've only got so many warp particles to beam through before we run out, and it's to create a sense of tension, which is fine. But you've got Bones' throwaway line in Star Trek Four saying, oh, sure, a slingshot around the sun. And they sort of address that here and go, oh, yeah, you can only do that if you've got someone who can do the calculations. And it, it sort of fits in with what they said in the movie because it's like uh, Spock goes, if my calculations are even one moment off, we yeah. just get disintegrated. And he yeah. kind of does cover that in the explanation in the movie, which they didn't in the original yeah, TV true. show as much. So, yeah, and the idea, okay, well, the Borg Queen can do the sort of calculations that um, that Spock did, so... Yeah, fair enough. Now, this th there's a sequence around here where we get an establishing shot and there's a statue of Brent Spiner and there's an announcement going off saying it is Eradication Day, uh, you know, a, a good galaxy is a human galaxy or whatever, and it's Brent Spiner's voice. And the statue says it's Adam Soong, which I assume will be the character that we know Brent Spiner's playing this season. So I'm wondering if in this version of reality, something that Adam Soong invents leads to this fascist regime in some way, uh, and they're going to prevent him from doing that. So I don't know. But I feel like that's very deliberate that we've got a statue of him here and that whatever the change is, he's going to pivot around this guy. Mm. Makes sense. Because it's not a name we've heard before, Adam specifically. Obviously, we've heard soon before. but So I feel like it's only a very brief sequence. But, yeah, that's got to be in there for a reason. Um, I like Girati sort of winging it where they're saying, well, how come you know, the... Seven's husband comes in and goes, well, why are you all down here? And she's like, oh, well, uh, you know, I thought the Borg Queen said this, and so I asked them to come down and do that, and that's, it's a really good sequence. And yeah, she's, President Seven shots. Yeah, and she's thinking <laughs> on her feet, and she's almost got an expression at the end of it that she's sort of pleased with herself that she's come up with a story that yeah. somehow has held together and does explain everything. It's almost like, wow, I got away with that. <laughs> you know, well done. And it, it speaks to what you were saying before, Jim, that the whole idea that in the first series, they, they've used characteristics from the first series <coughs> and done it better in the second. And that's what they've done with her. They've created her fast talking can be something she can use well. It can be... Mm -hmm. I just think it was just a bit scatty the last series. This was yeah, just bits of it. It was more interestingly done. Yeah, and then the obviously the big tense sequence of the episode is we we've got everyone in place. We're gonna beam everyone up, but 
we need to stall for time and everything. And this is where I think Patrick Stewart really hands it, where it, within the story, it's Picard's got to execute the Borg Queen. And because he's got to drag it out, he goes out and he keeps, like, clenching his fists to get the crowd to cheer for him. And he's waiting, brandishing the gun around and everything. And I think <laughs> it's good fun because Patrick, well, Picard is hamming it up. Like, Picard knows he's hamming it up. Patrick Stewart's having it up. And I love the fact that the crowd are going along with it up to a certain point, and then they're like, oh, what's he playing at? You know, and people start to get annoyed. And Picard, you can see him realising, like, I can't keep doing this all night. You know, <laughs> they're going to want me to yeah. shoot her yeah. in a minute. And, and again, another great parallel to the first series, because this one is really well done. He gets to have a bit of fun, but it works for the uh, episode. Last series, you've just got him doing this absurd French accent. I think because he just wanted to play with an absurd oh, I like French accent. That. No, I'm, I I'm enjoyed not... it, but it just didn't feel satisfying in the episode in the way this does. Oh, I'm not letting you have that one. I liked that. All right, I, I thought it was fun. I'm not saying it wasn't fun. I'm just saying I didn't think it was as earnest. No, as it was. it's not. And this and this has obviously got a lot more tension to it because it's like, yeah, if they see through it, they are going to murder you all. So. <laughs> Uh, but it does build to a really tense scene and everything. And obviously they do beam him up. <laughs> There's a bit where... Well, we get a great fight with Elnor. Oh, yeah. Elnor, I love how Raffi yeah. just sort I'm, of says, I'm, right, yeah, Elnor. Got, yeah, she's there to guards, right, I brought you a present down. So they start beating him up and then she goes, <laughs> right, sort of Elnor. <laughs> yeah. And um, just... So what are we doing with that thing? And in the background... <laughs> and because he, he slits the guy's throat, doesn't he, with a combat yeah. as well? He's not mucking about. It's pretty Now, he's a very satisfying character. He was one of my favourites in the first series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The there's no messing about from him when he's set loose. He knew what his job was to keep <laughs> him busy, let him beat him up till she could bring the shield down. And then he was let loose and he goes, well, Picard told me to improvise. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, fair enough. I, I do wonder if one of the character beats we're going to hit with Elnor this season is going to be you joining Starfleet so you can't just go around slitting people's throats, you know, <laughs> tempering his violent like, side a little bit. I like really. how he keeps coming out with things like, Rafi says, like, the need of planning goes, that's very good strategic thinking. <laughs> and yeah. he keeps coming out with... <laughs> no, he is I really want the card to tell him off his game. Okay, it's all right you doing this in this timeline. When yeah. we're back to prime timeline, yeah. you'd behave. Yeah, you can do it to evil fascist versions of people, but don't do it to, <laughs> to real people. It's okay, fascists don't have souls. It's fine. Sorry, sorry, sorry. We will change this back to the real reality and this won't have happened. That's fine, but when we're in the real reality, you don't kill people by slitting their throats. Just an interesting thing that I have been thinking about with this episode because Q says that he saved them from the stargazer mm. and he saved the, his crew the crew does that mean he saved all the crew from the stargazer and they've all been dumped into this reality on earth no I and think they all he, have to, to cope with things because he, he says to Picard is he only like, taking like is he only um, saved yeah. anyone who's got a name in the titles Basically, no because yeah. he does say a line where he goes oh uh, you won't be on your own I've sent you some friends which suggests yeah, yeah. he's just sent his friends I not think anyone. he's 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 picked and choosed people who can help Picard and as you say coincidentally that does happen to be the main cast members of the show <laughs> so 
It does raise the question of Soji, doesn't it? Because she, we've not seen her in this well, reality. Well, Soji wasn't on the Stargazer. No, she wasn't. But neither was Rafi or Elnor. They were on the Excelsior. Yeah, but yeah, but they were there, sort of like when everything started. They were there in, in the battle. Yeah, but I, I yeah. wonder if he's he's done it to Soji as well, so that she because she's part of the crew. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but we, we've not seen her this week, so it'll be interesting to see how she's reintegrated into it. Or maybe Adam Sung's made an android that looks like Soji, or who knows? <laughs> or maybe he's got a daughter, also played by by the same actress. Oh, he could have, yeah. Because Data makes her as a daughter, so maybe, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Um, I like how when they get up to the ship, the Borg Queen's in this stasis field. Not entirely unlike Baby Yoda in the first season of The Mandalorian where he's got his little pod that they have to push around. <laughs> so, you know, it, if that's what you're trying to do, Star Trek needs to make the Borg Queen a bit cuter because, you know, that is not going to sell as many <laughs> cuddly toys as um, a cuddly Borg Queen. But you never know. And then, yeah, we finish on a, a big cliffhanger again where... Because this was one where I didn't realise how long into the episode we were. And so then I, all of I, a sudden... I, I shouted out, bastard, when it ended. So I, <laughs> yeah. must just, I must have disturbed my neighbours when I watched this. Because I was that into it and then it just ended. It's like... <laughs> Well, that's it. Oh! It's yeah. The we think I want more. We think that, that's what away. I want to end an episode thinking. I want to end the episode going. Yeah, oh, how dare you cut it off there? That's what I want. That's a feeling I want for my Star but, Trek. Yeah, it does feel a bit cruel though. This one because it's we're not. It doesn't feel like we're building to a cliffhanger, and it's like right, we we're all up on the ship. We've got away. Oh no, we haven't because the magistrate's here and he's shot Elnor and ah, but. Like you absolutely say, it does leave you want in the next episode, which job done. Yeah. Yeah, and I, 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 certainly thus far, I haven't felt any way along the way of like, what's happening? What are we building towards? What are we going for here? I don't quite, which I got all the time in the first series, and I haven't once felt that. I've just felt it's a really great story. I just can't wait to see oh, what's yeah, next. Yeah, I want but to I see know, what's happening next. And Do you feel like you know where it's going to a degree? Would you? And so far, like, we, we've had two episodes, but they've been very, very different as well. Even though it has been serialised, been following the same story, yes. but it, it's two very, very different, very, very good episodes. Something so I've noticed this season as well. Have you noticed how they're getting in with the close-ups of the ships? Yeah. And how we're getting proper looks at them, which is an improvement on the first season, but a massive improvement on anything Discovery does with yeah, the ships. Yeah, because I, I noticed like, that contrast. We saw the Serena really close up this week. We got right into it. Yeah. like I, I noticed the contrast even more this week, so I watched the two shows back-to-back. -back and... Yeah, you see Discovery, which I do think is a good-looking ship, is Discovery, particularly the, the upgraded Discovery A. And I'm like, why can't we do some shots like that? You know, like we're doing yeah, Picard. Yeah. But, I mean, it's stylistically, it's a different show. It's shot differently. They're going for their own visual aesthetic. But it's shot differently. They're shot differently, and then they're just never but, showing us what a ship really looks like. But we really like looking yeah. at spaceships. I know. Exactly. No, I, I totally agree. Um, I was hoping maybe some of this will rub off on Discovery a bit. Um, 
But I can't. Also, on the other hand, I kind of get why they're going. Look, we've established our visual identity for three seasons. We're not going yeah. to change it up. But but yeah, no. This is how I want my Star Trek to look. Definitely. I mean, I would say, but Discovery was better at doing it in the first couple of series. I seem to remember, but like it wasn't mm. this bad at never showing anything yeah. even remotely. Up I close. don't know. It took a long time before you got. I mean, you got like a hero shot of the Discovery first time we saw it, but then. It was a long time before we got more, really. I mean, um, it just seems very noticeable that in the far-flung future, which they're in now, you never see an up-close of a ship. No, 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 you don't. It's true. Anyway, so that's, yeah, Discovery and Picard for this week. We've got more coming next week. Any any other, any other closing thoughts you want to raise, guys, before we sign off? Just, just uh, yeah, I think Picard wins. Right now, yeah, I, I want to see Discovery. Does. Yeah, well, let, let's do that while while we're doing episodes against each other. When we've got two episodes a week, let's let's decide which one was better, just for a bit of fun. Are we are we unanimous that Picard was better this week by yeah. a long shot? Yeah, and uh, and the, this the worst. It's it's Discovery at one of its higher points, and it's still not touching the hem of yeah, the coat of Picard. It isn't at the minute, so. Yeah. Like, yeah, Picard is like, you've listened to the fans and they're giving us what we want. Yeah, and talk and about just, playing the ball where and, it lays. But, but then you've got Discovery is still doing what it wants to do and not listening to the fans. Yeah, I'd agree. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's two sides to it, isn't there? Like, this is a good example of listening to the criticism, acting on it and improving something. A bad example of it would be something like uh, The Rise of Skywalker, where they seem to be just ticking off people's grumbles about the previous film, and it didn't work, you know? So it can go disastrously wrong doing that, but so far Picard seems to be nailing it. So, yeah, I I agree. Picard easily this week. Last week as well, Picard was definitely better. Uh, and and then, again, Picard at the moment, some of the best Star Trek ever, really. Like, it, yeah, as long yeah. as this series yeah. continues. Because the only thing is, when you're serialized like this, you are reliant on it keeping on being good. Yeah, otherwise, yeah. what you set up before doesn't look as good when you No, that's back. the problem. So it's got to keep up the standard. But if it does, this could potentially be one of the best series of Star Trek ever. It could be, if it, if it maintains yeah, it this be. level. That's, that's the big question. Next week, Discovery should be better because the season finale should be better than episode three of ten. Um, yes. <laughs> but we'll find out next week, I guess. Well, I think next week we're going to get a slingshot around the sun. I think we are. Done with new, done with modern special effects. So that's going to be interesting. I wonder if we'll get see. all them weird heads floating around like we did in Star Trek Fall. <laughs> that's always a really odd sequence, but... Oh, yeah. that would be so much fun. Oh, that would be such fun. So it would be funny. I would have missed it. it before you said that. Now I'll be wanting it. Oh, and just as we're closing out, last bit of Trek news that I just found out. It's the 40th anniversary of The Wrath of Khan and they're re-releasing it in UK cinemas, um, I believe, in June. So I'm sorry, but once you've seen it with that. Shatner, I don't know what, what that's a fair point. Yeah, I don't think they'll have him going around every single multiplex in the UK. So I've seen yeah. it with Shatner, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, me, and, you me, win. And, me and the Shatmeister. Yep, you win. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, we're at, on Twitter at Retrek Pod. 
Uh, you can email us, retrainpod at gmail.com. Come and join us on Facebook. Check out the YouTube channel, which houses these videos. Elliot's got his modelling channel on there, where he's been working on oh, all sorts of stuff, an Enterprise, a Voyager, um, uh, a Death Star. Um, um, yeah, um, I've got the aircraft carrier Enterprise I'm working on at the moment. Yeah. And Dr. Squee, you've got the Dr. Squee show. Yeah, um, oh, I don't know what's going to be coming next week, but uh, this week, which will, again, I'm behind the podcast, but it will come out at some point. Did a wonderful interview, uh, a couple of interviews this week, one which was with Dave McLean, who's a music producer who's got a film out called Schemers, where it talks about his early days of kind of getting involved in the music industry. He just starts it up basically so he could run discos to meet girls. And then he ends up bringing Iron Maiden to Dundee and now he manages Iron Maiden... Um, Oh, God, uh, Nirvana, he's worked with, and Food Fighters. Wow. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins. He's um, amazing. It was just a really nice chat. And he's a Scottish guy, so he just talks his mind mm-hmm. completely, which is always fun. Excellent. And you can, if you can't catch it live, you can get that on the podcast, can't you? You Got can, and then show. it's every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Fantastic. UK time. And I think that'll do us for this week then. So thanks for trekking with us this time. We'll see you next time on The Retrek. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have long prospect.